This is the Landscape Mode podcast live from San Francisco. We're talking about the world of mobile and mobility. I am your co-host, Ike DiLorenzo. And I am your co-host, Justin McGann. So we're here today to talk about uh, a number of subjects that have come up this week. First, we're going to talk about the state of of the market in mobile, uh, devices, browsers, who's winning, who's losing, and uh, how they're building apps. We have a take on North Korea's new cell phone, the pride of Kim Jong-un, purportedly manufactured in North Korea. No, it's, it's definitely manufactured in there. They've, oh. they've staged the photos. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Um, we also have some coverage of uh, the new Firefox phone, the $50 phone manufactured by ZTE. Um, and we're going to talk about what an app is. In case you were wondering. So first... Um, Let's talk about the latest stats on the browser market and the phone market. As Justin discovered by a survey of our internal data, long before the press did, <laughs> uh, the Android phones now are buying more stuff on the net. They are There are far more Android phones on the market and in the hands of people than iPhones. Internationally and in America. Yeah, this is a big change. Uh, it used to be just internationally and now even in the u.s more people have iphones right because uh, android phones right because android decided long ago that they were going after they they would lower the the cost and internationally they've they dominated and apple was fine with that for quite some time and and uh they continue to hold the american share and we'll see how long they can well they haven't anymore so they've lost the american share as well so and I don't even know if I'd say they have lost not just on price, but I actually think some of the Android phones I might rather have. Oh so, no! I, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And initially, Android they got into the market because it was cheaper, but they've yeah the new phones with the giant screen. I mean, they're big, they're beautiful screens. And here in San Francisco, if, if you are wearing the type of clothes where you have a free pocket, they're perfect. If I lived in Miami, maybe I'd want a tiny phone or something. Well, and, and it's gotten to the point where they, they are setting the market for, for uh, what a smartphone is. I mean, the last month there was a report that uh, Apple was looking at possibly making a bigger phone. And they already have made the iPhone screen is larger than it was a couple generations ago. And Android devices created that change for the larger larger screen. Yeah, this was a whole Steve Jobs thing, where if you couldn't very easily fit the whole thing in your hand, then it wasn't a phone. But now maybe Apple will be more flexible. And as we talked about at lunch, Apple is now has, is trying to go after the low-end market in China and other places. Yeah, but that's what the... I mean, which they haven't done. They They haven't done not just with phones, but just their... Mac in general, they've made top of the line products and said just ignored the fact that there was anyone looking for a cheaper model, and that's all the Windows phones, uh, all the Windows computers out there are because they someone wanted a four hundred dollar computer, and yeah, I remember. I mean, the whole time when Apple was first making computers, no one cared. 
that there were cheaper computers around, but now there will be somewhere in the world, maybe not in the U.S., but there will be very cheap iPhones with plastic backs and running some lightweight version of their OS or a version of their OS that can't do stuff like Siri. And who knows, maybe those number, those phones will actually outnumber the number of high-end phones they sell at some point. Yeah, well, it, it's <clears throat> something they had to do. So, uh, you know, you have this sort of uh, duopoly, I guess, of Android and iPhone, and then there are players, it, it seems to be even more of a lock on the market since BlackBerry and uh, the platform and its developers appear to be totally imploding. Uh, we had discussed that, you know, unlike, I guess, iPhone and Android, when you lose a BlackBerry user, you are often losing a thousand or so of them because it means some company has dumped BlackBerry. Yeah, it's, it's just part of the, you know, previously, a lot of people's first introduction to smartphones was something that their company had given them, and this is what we're using. And uh, you know, even even now, the Department of Defense, who for years stuck with BlackBerry for whatever reasons, I mean, they said security, but they have now said, you know, you can use an iPhone, you can use an Android device, uh, and like that is a as soon as a large company goes away from that's a, a huge market share. So they're it's not slowly slipping away. They're leaving in large droves. Yeah, this is where enterprise BYOD, that's bring your own device, is really causing Android's demise. Mm -hmm. And maybe propping up Windows a little bit because in the race between these two bit players now in the market, uh, Windows this month, according to Gartner and some other sources, has just edged ahead of BlackBerry. They're slightly Windows is slightly over 3% of the cell phone market worldwide, and BlackBerry now has fallen to under 3% as they frantically try right. to sell themselves to anyone who will buy them. The, the race of the losers. Uh, <laughs> and, and just in, in May, Pew had, had uh, Pew Research, they do a, a yearly study of uh, mobile operating systems, and, and they had it at 4% uh, for BlackBerry and 1% for Windows. Obviously, uh, Microsoft has made a big move to up it from one to three. Yeah, by basically giving you a 41 pixel, 41 megapixel camera. It's unclear if anyone is buying it for the OS. They just want the nice, and it is absolutely beautiful, Nokia 41 pixel, 41 megapixel camera. Uh, and I that when that phone came out, I was in Europe at the time, and there were just lines outside the store to see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's more the phone I think than the OS. But there are other sort of really cool operating systems and phones on the market. Probably the most intriguing is um, the new Firefox phone. Yeah, the ZTE one. Uh. And what's it, what is novel about it to me is you know we all know when you have to develop for multiple platforms, you use PhoneGap or one of these libraries that takes JavaScript and maps some calls and then calls the phone. We were looking through the developer kit for this new Firefox phone. The phone basically just is a browser. Yeah, yeah. It's you're developing HTML, JavaScript, and and CSS. I mean, it's web development. It's web development. PhoneGap, you get the wrapper. You get native elements from the that native wrapper. It, with Firefox, you get the native elements by making JavaScript calls. It's yeah. uh. There's JavaScript calls like, what's the camera? 
giving me? What's the front? Give me the image from the front camera, the back camera. Give me the GPS coordinates. You write the whole thing in yeah. HTML and JavaScript, and the phone costs fifty bucks. Yeah. Well, I mean, which obviously other other uh, operating systems are working to now. I mean, you get a lot of functionality in in uh, the browser, even with the iPhone. Now you can. I noticed when I was on the Twitter mobile page, not the app, but the actual mobile app, uh, just web app. They can, they have the. You can take a picture right from there, and that's something they've added. I don't know when. I usually just use the the app, but uh, I've noticed that recently. So, uh, it's, other people are working towards that, and Firefox is saying we're starting with that. Yeah, I kind of was wondering what Firefox was doing. I knew that nobody's really using their browser anymore. Right. And I was Chrome wondering, killed I was, them. Chrome, Chrome yeah, killed them. Chrome really killed them, and then people started using Chrome on their phones. And I was worried that Firefox was just going to go away. It's very gratifying to see what's the name of the fox. Doesn't he have a name? He probably does have a name, but I don't know offhand. Firefox Fox coming back on a phone, and the and the the Firefox orange color of this phone can only be purchased by special agreement with eBay. Other colors of the phone will be available at other outlets. They say it's going to retail for eighty, but it's selling for about fifty—the equivalent of fifty bucks in Europe now in Latin America. Yeah, and that's without a contract. That's not tied to a carrier. Yeah, you could just buy it. This is for me. Like, if I break my phone, and which I just got a couple weeks ago, if I break it, and I'm out, I don't have an upgrade. This is what I'm going to get to carry me over to the next upgrade. And if I like it, maybe I'll just keep it. But if $50, $80 solution to not having to re-up a contract or not dealing with, you know, I don't even know how much an iPhone costs uh, outside of a contract, but it's just it's ridiculous. It's not 50 bucks. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, I mean, the iPhone 5 is going to, 5S will be 200 bucks with a contract, so outside of contract. And the phones do already have all the apps, the major apps that you use. You know, Facebook, Twitter. Um, there is uh, apps for various newspapers. There's YouTube. You know, all that kind of stuff. I think because there are already HTML5 apps that exist for these things, and it is so trivially easy to create a Firefox phone app out of them that it's just another HTML5 target. Well, yeah, it's I. Obviously, the appeal is the low barrier of entry to get onto the operating system. You know, uh, yeah. you 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 can't ignore iPhone apps and developing with native apps, but you have to develop in Objective C. And some people love Objective C, but a lot of web developers don't know Objective C, and it is very unfamiliar to them. And so, for them, for uh, you to be able to get a web developer and say all the skills you already have, use that to build a, an app, it lowers the bar. And the Objective-C gets you exactly one app, the iPhone app. Right, right. So, so if you do, and, and there is yet another operating system coming on the market, this Tizen operating system for mobile phones, which when I started mentioning it to some of the management people at, at some company, I won't say it's ours, they're like, oh, what is that? Who cares about that? Well, we could care about it because Samsung now manufactures about one-third of the world's mobile devices. Yeah, well, I mean, Apple re-upped their contract with Samsung for hardware for the next uh, several years. Obviously, they make the most popular Android uh, phones that Samsung has. We're talking about who's who's winning the operating system wars, and it's it's you know a close call between 
Apple and, and Android with Android obviously have taken the lead in the last year, I guess, but it's not even close when it's hardware. Samsung's yeah. Samsung makes everything. Samsung makes most, somewhere around 80% of, uh, well, they make about 80% of the Android phones. They make about a third of the phones in the world, and they are actually manufacturing, as Justin said, a lot of components of the iPhone. So if Samsung and Intel and their partners are creating an operating system to replace uh, Android, and Samsung promises to put it on a lot of their phones, um, there's some recent stats from uh, these mobile vision people who produced some really good mobile intelligence on their site, mobilevision.com. Uh, they have developer surveys saying that 12% of developers are already planning to develop for Tizen. So it'd be neat to see what that OS does. And a, another cool thing is it runs not just on phones, but on Samsung's cameras, televisions, all the other electro stuff they make. Yeah, well, as we transition to this, you know, internet of everything, operating systems are, you know, it's their operating systems for future devices are just around the bend. Uh, yes, it's the internet of things because Cisco is paying anyone who will take their money to use that phrase like the Interop conference in New York is the internet of things sponsored by Cisco. Right, right. Well, and, and like, it's true. We are going to, we're kind of getting there with uh, TV operating systems, with Opera, and with I, I have not received my Chromecast yet, but I ordered it, and I'm waiting <laughs> waiting anxiously by the mailbox. I mean, $35 for, a, you know, maybe it's not an Apple TV equivalent, but it's it's pretty close. Um, and then, yeah, Apple TV, Google TV, Chrome, Chromecast, uh, Opera is on a lot of smart TVs. Yeah, Opera is another company that could come out of nowhere, like, or it is but you don't see their brand in your face. Right. But like Firefox, all of a sudden, a $50 phone that can do 80% of what your iPhone does is incredibly compelling to the maybe 90% of the people in the U.S. who cannot afford an iPhone. Yeah. And maybe the 99% of the people in the world who can't. Right. Um, and speaking of people who cannot afford great cell phones and, in fact, have no choice in what cell phone to buy, uh, are... Uh, the dear leader, Kim Jong-un of North Korea, now can add cell phone manufacturer to his many, many titles that the government issues him. Right. Uh, he, the, the state press agency has issued some really uh, amazing photographs of him in the factory. What is this phone called again? What is this phone called? Is it, can we call it a smartphone? Can you call a phone that doesn't connect to the internet a smartphone? Yes, well... It uh, has a touchscreen. Where you're building apps for it. It is a smartphone. They're calling it the Ararang phone. And the Ararang phone is manufactured in what the, what the state news agency describes as a factory, but it is about as big as our lunchroom here at MoveWeb Corporation. And everyone in the factory is dressed in a dress military uniform. So I don't understand. And there are also no manufacturing equipment. There's just people looking right. at just cell add phones. Right, on a, a wooden desk and have the display models out. Yes. And uh, I'm not sure who the, uh, who, someone came up with an article just today. It said uh, a North Korean expert has suggested that they were manufactured in China and just shipped in, um, which is, you know, very possible since there appear to be no equipment to make these phones in these right, photos. Which was true of the last North Korean mobile device, their tablet, 
Right. Which had an equally strange name and did not much and could not connect to the internet and was manufactured in China. So the new mobile phone, which apparently if you are a, a resident foreigner, not a great place to live, but if you're a resident foreigner, you can have uh, 3G access. Ah. And the phone in, comes installed with uh, two apps. One is to spy and report on your neighbors, and the other one <laughs> is to find plants to eat in the countryside. No, I'm just making that up. Those apps are not yet available. Not yet. Not yet. Uh, but anyway, even this phone, it is significant, runs Android, which is some indication of how widely deployed Android is, especially since it's free. Right. It, well, and it speaks to what we already know, but that... The, there's no stopping. When smartphones have have made their way into North Korea, like it it which is not a place on this earth. It is like an alien planet. Like this, it's just completely blocked off. It's they were already sneaking uh, Chinese phones into the country, and so yeah. even North Korea realized that uh, they they had to buckle to the pressure of and and release smartphones. Which has, you know, as we've seen in the news, have driven revolution in many places and hopefully there as well. It has a camera on it. You can't, I don't think you can upload those pictures to anywhere. Phone. It has a camera. That's the part where you, you report on your neighbor's right. camera. Right, and all those immediately go and are saved on a hard drive in uh, <laughs> the Supreme Leader's, uh, well, I mean, I shouldn't say anything as we're ourselves saving all of uh <laughs> NSAs has all my pictures on their their uh, hard drives. So I'm certain that's true. Um, so the last thing we're going to talk about today is app development. Um, the interesting thing about the proliferation of all these models of phones is that hybrid development has become more popular. There's, uh, I guess, if you average all the recent studies, they say the majority of apps that are now in development are hybrid. This is a huge switch from three years ago when pretty much everything was native. Yeah, and it's probably larger than even what they say because it's hard to define what a hybrid app is. Because for me, like even if it's 95% native and they're using WebViews for five things, if they're just using WebViews for checkout because they want to you know, have the ability to iterate without releasing a new update, that's a hybrid app. Like. It's it's yeah. one of those things, you know, you can't be a, a little bit pregnant. You can't be a little bit hybrid. You're either hybrid or you're not. And most apps are hybrid. Yeah, and in the enterprise, apparently, by the stats are somewhere around 70% of enterprise apps by 2015 will be hybrid. So that leaves native developers like Objective-C and those people with a very narrow purview developing the only, I guess, video games on the iPhone, like real high-performance stuff. Yeah, if, if you don't need web views, if you're just making Candy Crush, you know, there's, there's, I can see the appeal of doing a native app. I mean, you can do things on there. You can have, there's memory considerations. There's, there's lots of reasons to build a native app, but it, when I think of those, I'm thinking of games. Yeah, clearly. I think of native apps as games. I can't imagine why you would do something that can easily be done in a web browser as a native app. And now, most recently, you can get your camera photos uh, from the web browser or from a web view. Pretty much all that's left is the accelerometer, and every one of these phone gap type frameworks can get you that. And as we see in the new Firefox phone, it's now built into JavaScript. Yeah, I would say the one thing with uh, with 
the iPhone and WebView is, is and it's it's the knock against Chrome, although I use the Chrome browser on my iPhone and iPad, is that you have to use the, the WebViews do not use their Nitro JavaScript engine, which is slows things down. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, on my iPad, especially on the Wi-Fi, I would never notice. I, I just don't notice. I, I know that it's true, but it, it doesn't bother me at all, and I'm totally willing to make that that concession in order to have one browser across all my devices sharing all my bookmarks, all my information. Yeah, I found the Chrome browser in general, I, I it, its methodology of prefetching and caching the probable next page that you might travel to as you navigate on a mobile site um, to make the experience really fast. So it almost doesn't matter how fast the renderer is, but I wonder what that's going to do to the page counts of all these sites. All these Chrome browsers out there in the world prefetching dozens and dozens of pages for every visit that no one's actually seeing because they're just prefetched. Yeah, but prefetch and pre-rendering, I mean, it's it you save milliseconds and and it can make up for JavaScript engine. I mean, just oh, just yeah. prefetching yep. DNS lookup. This is a, this is sort of made me think about our last point about what an app is anyway, like. The word app now is used for just about everything. It used to mean something that was written in native code. You compiled it. It was on your on your screen, on your cell phone. It had an icon. You touch it, and it runs in native code. And then it expanded to mean that you had uh, something, a container that launched that ran some web stuff in it, in a web view. And so now, as we've seen with the Financial Times app, this the much-heralded Financial Times app, that is actually running in your browser, it looks, feels, and acts exactly like an app. And it even calls itself an app. It doesn't say anything about a browser. Yeah, it's it's this transition. I mean, and it happened on on the desktop and laptop computers as well. As originally, the browser was the application, and the files that you opened up in it were, were these different websites, and you would look up and uh, that then with the phone, you know, you had an app. This is what I opened up. Now you just, you want to do everything in the browser. Yeah, it is the Financial Times app. If you had not tried it, it's at ft.com. It does this very almost UI spoofing sort of experience where you load the web page and it asks you if you'd like to run the app instead. You say yes, it does all these shenanigans, your screen gets big, you feel like you're running an app, it puts the app on your desktop, but the entire time you haven't left the browser. And the pricing model for FT is very interesting, whereas the New York Times and other news outlets charge you separately per endpoint. They charge you separately for the tablet app. They charge you separately for the phone app. You have to pay for separate access. Since the FT app is really just running in a browser, they can't tell and don't care. You just log into your subscription. That's why I canceled my New York Times Kindle subscription, because I could only read the Times on my Kindle, yep. and I was paying them monthly. But I, when I tried to visit from my desktop, I got the. I after I hit the you know soft paywall, I I couldn't see anything anymore. And same thing for my phone, same thing. So, the subscription model where it doesn't matter what device you use, you just log in. Uh, you know, it's what we're working towards. Yeah, and that is very amenable to a web view or a browser where you don't really know what's containing the web view or the browser port. 
you just know that you've logged in and you get a nice responsive type experience and you don't care you don't care all you care about is the experience and so if if you can pull it up in the browser great especially if it means i don't have to put another uh, app on my home screen that i'm never going to use i don't want to download your app to use it once a week i just i'll just go to your mobile site yeah, I've often thought these retail stores, when you walk in, if there's a QR code, you're much likely, much likelier to run what even they call an app by right. launching a browser window. And then app has actually jumped out of the browser. Google calls its engine on which you write server-side applications. They call the, it the app engine, and you run apps on it. I, I think it's almost lost its meaning because it means everything now. Yeah, what's, it's because the pages that we're loading are no longer pages they're no longer these static things they are you know we're introducing more and more programming into the sites sites are becoming more dynamic Uh, and so it's not a document anymore a web page isn't a document you don't put when you pull it up it's going to look different than when i pull it up and we're going to do different things it's going to be different interaction it's uh you know these these uh, dynamic sites are much more closer to an application than they are to a, just a standard document. Yeah, that brings me to uh, a subject for a future podcast, which will be page views, a completely obsolete, but, <laughs> but a metric that will not die, I think because so many people's compensation at so many companies is tied to page views. Because it's a big number you can point to. Who doesn't like to point to a number and yes. say, this is how many page views? Look at how many page views I'm responsible for, Ike. Yes, MetaFresh Reload. I am now responsible for many pages. Well, that's another, that's, pages. A, that's another thing. Um, all right, so we're going to wrap up this week's podcast. We would love to hear from you. Uh, you can check us out on the podcast website. Just click on the cover art. Uh, it is, um, our email address is landscapemode at moveweb.com. That's right. Uh, so you can subscribe on iTunes as well. So I, you, I mean, you don't want to go and have to track us down every episode. You just subscribe and it magically appears. Excellent. Um, and we're looking forward to hearing from you. We will see you next Thursday. Uh, we're he- you can hear us next Thursday. The podcast is produced uh, at 3 p.m. San Francisco time. So look for us anytime after that. That's right. Uh, next week. Until next week, this is Ike Lorenzo. Justin McGann. That went well.